What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. There is a fine line between cringe and comedy, and that is what we are talking about today. I've titled today's episode, Good Comedy, Bad Comedy, and I'll explain what that is. But if you've been looking for a laugh, I'll let you know some good ones to watch and some good ones to avoid. In the movie review, we'll talk about a thriller based on a true story that completely shook my world. Independent movies are killing it right now. And then in the trailer park, we'll keep that indie film fandom alive live in a new movie starring Woody Harrelson called Triangle of Sadness. Shout out to the Monday Morning Movie Crew. Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I want to start today's episode by letting you all in on something. I was recently duped. There's a new movie on Netflix called Night Shift that, I don't know, for some reason, I thought it was going to be good. It stars Jamie Foxx, who, in most things, I enjoy. It also stars Dave Franco. I thought the two of them together in a vampire comedy movie on Netflix was right up my alley. I watched this movie and it was one of the worst movies I've seen in the entire year, maybe in the last decade. And this just adds to my discussion of how hard it is to make a comedy in this day and age. So I sat down and came up with a list of two similar comedies. One of them is great, and one of them you do not need to waste your time on watching. So if you've been looking for a laugh like I have recently, I just need something kind of lighthearted to balance all of the dramatic thrillers I've been watching lately. So I thought this movie was going to be my palate cleanser. It wasn't, and I want you to avoid this movie and some of the other movies I've talked about. Hopefully you haven't seen them yet. 
So I'll give you two movies under the same kind of theme. They have some of the same actors, the same genre, the same director. One of them is good and one of them is bad. And the name of the episode is... It's time for Good Comedy, Bad Comedy. Here we go. Let's start where I've already began the episode. And let's talk about Dave Franco, who... Up until this recent movie, I thought I was a fan of Dave Franco. So first, let's start with the positive. Good comedy. A good comedy that Dave Franco was in was 21 Jump Street. This was kind of my introduction into Dave Franco, who I really just know as being James Franco's younger brother. But he's done some pretty good work in the comedy space that he was somebody that I never really was a fan of, but also didn't really dislike for any reason. But I think his best role comes from 2011's 21 Jump Street, which is based on the TV show from back in the day, except now it is Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, who are two both underachieving undercover cops who go back to high school to blend in with a bunch of high school students. And they're trying to discover who is behind this synthetic drug ring. And Dave Franco is one of the students at this school. So in this movie, he is a supporting character to the two main stars. But overall, he does a pretty good job in this role. Although I do of course, attribute the success of this movie to the chemistry that Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum have on screen. I think it's because we already consider Jonah Hill to be such a great comedic actor from his work in Superbad and countless other comedy movies. And then you have Channing Tatum, who made his debut in Coach Carter, which was a drama. In 2005, his breakout role was in Step Up, which I think a lot of people still associate him with that role. And you pair that with Magic Mike, he just kind of has that thing going for him. But then he comes on to 21 Jump Street and shows everybody he can be a really great comedic actor and has impeccable comedic timing in this movie, which is a really hard thing to do. And he's kind of proven that he can do a little bit of everything. I feel like his action movie career never really took off. He was in some pretty big action bombs. Even though you look at an actor like him and think that's an easy plug and play to make him a great action star, he just hasn't quite hit there yet. But I really like that he keeps going back to comedy, even seeing him in The Lost City earlier this year. Even though I didn't entirely love mainly the plot of that movie, I still think he is a really great comedic character actor. So all those things considered with Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum, Dave Franco, Rob Riggle, I would consider this a good comedy. Bad comedy. The bad one here is the one I mentioned earlier, Night Shift on Netflix. It was just released a couple or maybe a few weeks ago now, but I had it in my queue just sitting there and I'd been waiting for it. I'd been waiting for the time to watch it. I finally watched it. And within the first 20 minutes, I knew this was not going to be a great movie. The entire plot of this movie is Jamie Foxx is a vampire killer. He lives in Los Angeles. It looks like it's set in modern day and he gets paid to kill vampires and harvest the teeth from their mouth and that is what's valuable. It really kind of jumps into this ridiculous plot without any explanation, which I'm fine with. You don't have to explain everything all up front, but throughout the entire movie, it never really gets back to fleshing out this story of why exactly they're vampires and why exactly their teeth are so valuable. But Jamie Foxx's character basically has one week to make enough money to keep his ex-wife and daughter from moving from Los Angeles to Florida. And then you have 
have Dave Franco's character who works at this vampire agency. Yes, it gets more and more ridiculous, who is now hired to follow him along to every job he goes on trying to find these violations to get him fired. So that's the entire story of this movie. Jamie Foxx going around killing vampires. Dave Franco is supposed to be the nerdy, straight-laced desk worker who doesn't know anything. And Jamie Foxx is the cool, sly, comedic leading guy. And the two just don't work together. And I think it's greatly due to Dave Franco's character and how annoying he is. I just think they didn't get his character right. It's one thing to make a character nerdy and inexperienced, but there was no redeeming qualities to him. And while they're trying to make him out to be this person who is just so completely opposite of Jamie Foxx's character, they just made one of the most annoying characters I've ever seen in a movie, which made it hard to watch. You pair that with the dumb plot and overall just cringeworthy acting it felt like each line was being shouted out to them by the director moments before they filmed this and then you add in snoop dogg who isn't really known for his acting abilities and even though he was the best part of the movie in no way did it save this entire thing so this was the case that i had for some reason high expectations going into it and found myself laughing zero times throughout the movie maybe a slight chuckle or from my nose that's about as much comedic integrity that this movie had so it's a rare one star for me so if you were planning on watching this movie on netflix don't do it let's move on now to one of the best comedic directors of our lifetime judd apatow good comedy i think his pivotal most influential comedy was the 40-year-old virgin it's arguable that you could put 40-year-old virgin and knocked up on that same playing field but 40-year-old virgin being the first one it gave him the authority to make the movies he wanted to make and would continue to do for the rest of the 2000s the 2010s and even now in the 20s The 40-Year-Old Virgin was one of the most quotable movies of the 2000s, and it was at a time where comedies were at their peak. It doesn't really get any better than mid to late 2000s comedies. I would argue that that was the best decade for comedies. Coming in close second are the 90s, but for every great comedic movie from the 90s, I could give you one from the 2000s that are better just by looking at the filmography from Judd Apatow alone with 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, and Funny People alone. Bad comedy. When it comes to Judd Apatow, I haven't really been enjoying his work as of late. I thought kind of along the same lines of some of the other times I've been underwhelmed by comedies. King of Staten Island was one of them. I think my biggest critique of him now is that he seems a little self-indulgent on how long he makes his movies. In no real world should a comedy be over two hours. He pushes 220, 225, gets close to that two and a half hour mark, and it's excessive. It's a little ridiculous, but that's not even the one I want to mention here. The bad comedy from Judd Apatow that I had such high hopes for being great, and it kind of led to what I feel was the decline of Judd Apatow, of where I didn't really find his humor funny anymore, and the movie is from 2012 called This Is 40. It's about this couple who are about to turn 40, their kids hate each other, both of their businesses are failing, and they're on the verge of losing their house, and all these things combined together, their relationship is kind of falling apart. Pretty good premise, but this movie is so dry and so long, and never really hits that stride that his previous films have done. 
You bring back some of the known favorites like his wife, Leslie Mann, Paul Rudd, Jason Segel. You also have Megan Fox. And then his actual daughters are in the movie. I just felt like putting all those actors together. Overall, the movie just lacks diversity. And I think that's what made his early films great is the cast is just so different. They're all different kinds of characters. The casting here just felt very bland and the plot line was so unexciting. It was kind of supposed to be like this little slice of life, really just a slice of his life of how he struggled turning 40. It was the start of me seeing how kind of self-indulgent he got with his films, which is fine. You're the director. You're the one with the career who has flourished up until this point. Make the movie you want to make. But at the end of the day, if we ain't laughing, we ain't going to pay for the next one. I think he went on to have another decent hit after this. In 2015, he had Trainwreck. But since then, just hasn't made a movie that I loved from him. And don't even get me started on The Bubble, which came out earlier this year on Netflix. That's another bad comedy. Moving on, but let's stay in the world of directors and talk about the Fairley Brothers. Good comedy. They made one of the most iconic comedies of the 90s. Really one of the most iconic comedies ever made in 1994. And it is Dumb and Dumber cold-hearted classic, a movie that I have seen so many times that I have every joke, every line memorized. And if you came to me and told me that Dumb and Dumber is your favorite comedy or even your favorite movie of all time, I know that we could be friends. So with this comedy alone, I would almost give them a lifetime pass of any movie they produce, any movie they write, any movie they direct, I think would have a winning shot at being a good comedy. But then they went and made this movie. Bad comedy. 20 years later, in 2014, from the Farrelly Brothers, we got Dumb and Dumber 2, T-O, which is a joke in itself. And this movie came after so much speculation of Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels coming back as Harry and Lloyd. And it's not very often that I want a movie I consider perfect to have a sequel be made, let alone 20 years later. But from all the set updates they posted, from the will they, won't they make this movie, I was so excited going into this in 2014 and was so utterly disappointed. If you haven't seen this movie, it takes place 20 years after that first cross-country road trip. Harry and Lloyd go out to find Harry's newly discovered daughter who was given up for adoption. And the problem with this movie is the Fairley Brothers gave us exactly what we wanted by recreating that first film. So in 1994, what we found to be so hilarious... 20 years later, Done Again doesn't really have that same effect. It's all the same gags, all the same jokes and references to the first one. So it's kind of just playing an homage to that first one. But what I think we really deserved was a true continuation of their story and an elevation on the humor from the first movie, which was so groundbreaking at the time. And I think that would have made it a better movie. Or is it that just 20 years later, we've grown up and don't find the same things funny again? It could be a little bit of that too. But for me, as being a follow-up to one of the greatest comedies of all time, just didn't live up to it. And this was coming after they made the prequel in 2003, Dumb and Dumber, When Harry Met Lloyd, which also proved that without the main actors, you really didn't stand a chance. How about now we talk about cartoons, but cartoons not meant for kids. 
Good comedy. One of my favorite comedies of all time came out in 1997, and it is from Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of South Park and Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Doesn't get the recognition it deserves for the groundbreaking, yet not so groundbreaking animation that South Park made famous. The songs in this movie, which are so memorable and so hilarious, coming from a genre where I don't really love musicals, but man, these guys know how to make songs and know how to write a comedic song that'll make you laugh, that'll make you sing an appropriate rhyme later in your life after watching this movie for years and years to come. I think they are truly great comedic and satirical geniuses that we haven't seen in our lifetime before, and I think we won't recognize that until they are either no longer with us or no longer making South Park. And I just remember how impactful South Park was because for the first time in my memory, there was a cartoon that kids weren't supposed to watch. They were saying bad words. They were talking about inappropriate things. But that was kind of the thing to get us to pay attention to it. When you really kind of study South Park episodes and you study this movie, they are saying a whole lot more and they pick apart and make fun of both sides of every argument. So all those things together make a great epic comedy. So that is a great comedy from 1997. Bad comedy. In that same vein, in 2016, we got a movie called Sausage Party, which came to us from the mind of Seth Rogen. It stars him as one of the main voices, along with Kristen Wiig, Jonah Hill, and an ensemble of funny people doing the voices on this movie. And what Sausage Party was... Again, a cartoon, but not for kids. And what Sausage Party was about was the main character who is a sausage trying to discover the truth about his existence. It takes place in a supermarket and all of the other foods come to life and they all have different personalities and it is a very crude and rude movie. The problem with this movie, and even though I believe there is a time and a place for crude humor, I am a fan of it when it's done correctly, when it has a little bit more of creativity to it, when it has a little bit more of thought in the writing. I think you can actually do something here like Trey Parker and Matt Stone have done with South Park and some of their other animated endeavors. But when it came to Sausage Party, I felt like the novelty wore off pretty quick. I get it, a sausage cursing and doing naughty things can be funny for a second, but there was really nothing after the first 15 minutes that really added to the entire story. It was kind of like one joke continued on through the entire film. And this was a movie that everybody said you had to wait for one scene in particular, which I won't mention exactly what happens, but it was supposed to be like the really shocking, most disturbing, disgusting scene out of the entire movie. But by the time you do get to that scene, you don't really care about it anymore. This was a movie I remember coming out and people literally walking out of the theater because it was so bad. Also because I think some people just associate animated movies with Movies that are meant for kids, even though it clearly says this movie is rated R. So I think that was also some parents complaining who accidentally took their kids to see this movie. Not a good move. And if it was a better comedy, I would find that more hilarious. But since it's not, that just is terrible all the way around. So cartoons that are meant for adults and not for kids can work. But in this case, it didn't. How about now we talk about parody movies? Good comedy. The movie that really kickstarted this in the 2000s was a movie from, well, the year 2000 called Scary Movie, which was a parody of all the 90s 
teen slasher movies, which dominated the box office the decade before, all throughout the 90s, with movies like Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and Urban Legend being the biggest movies of the decade before, and creating that formula that a lot of other knockoffs did and didn't do so well. It led to the parody movie in 2000, Scary Movie, which took scenes, plot lines from those movies and made fun of them. Now, the parody movie had been done before. It wasn't a new thing in the 2000s, but it felt like once Scary Movie came out and had so much success, made so much money at the box office that we started to get not only sequels to Scary Movie, but people took that concept without the Wayans Brothers and started creating their own parody movies to different genres. Bad comedy. And that brings me to what I think was the worst movie to do this. And in 2006, there was a movie called Date Movie, which was a parody of a bunch of romantic comedies like Hitch and Shallow How. And this is where I realized that this is a really bad trend. Don't get me wrong. I find making fun of things pretty hilarious. But what these movies started to do, beginning with Date Movie in 2006, following up with movies like Epic Movie in 2007, even movies like Meet the Spartans and then Disaster Movie in 2008, there was zero creativity in making a parody about those genres. It was literally just taking exactly what happened in those movies and making it a little wacky. No thought in the writing, no thought in how can we actually make something that people will laugh out. All these movies really just felt like a cash grab. And I remember specifically going to see Date Movie in 2006. And there were just so many cringeworthy scenes that were in no way remotely funny. And that is a very fine line you play into when making a movie like this. It's not enough to just take a comedy like Hitch and think, well, what if he had this ridiculous accident and we made fun of this portion of the movie? You have to add a little bit more to that. So all of these movies that followed in this weird subgenre of parody movies just felt like they were trying to make money and make a very easy to make lowbrow comedy that for one, I think we're better than. We deserved better. We deserved what they did in Scary Movie and Scary Movie 2. And if you had to experience one of these movies in theaters and had to walk out during one of these, I'm right there with you. How about now we talk about a couple of movies from Adam Sandler's production company, Happy Madison. Good comedy. One of my favorite movies to come from Happy Madison is a movie that Adam Sandler produced but did not star in. And it's from 2006, and it is called Grandma's Boy, starring Alan Covert, who was also in some of other Adam Sandler's movies. He is his caddy in Happy Gilmore. He's also in Big Daddy. And this was the first movie I remember him being the star of. And it is in the stoner comedy genre. And it's a story about a 35-year-old video game tester who has to move in with his grandma and her two roommates, which is a pretty ridiculous concept. But the movie has a great story, funny characters. You have Nick Schwartzen as one of the supporting characters. And again, this was the mid-2000s, what I felt like was the height of comedies. Again, there's a place for crude and rude humor. And I think this movie actually does it right. It has all the things I look for in a comedy, great characters, great physical gags, and memorable, quotable lines. This movie is chocked full of them. Bad comedy. Also from Happy Madison, it was a movie that came out in 2011. 
and it's called Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star, which also stars Nick Swartzen. I think he had a trajectory to be a bigger deal in Hollywood that he ended up being. And I would probably credit the unsuccessfulness of Bucky Larson to him maybe not achieving that, even though he's a great stand-up comedian, does a lot of supporting roles in Adam Sandler movies where he's really good at. It was just the story in this movie was too utterly ridiculous and cringeworthy and not funny that it kind of took my money away from him being a bankable comedy star. But he did play the lead character who was this weird grocery store cashier who tries to break into the adult film business. Another movie that Adam Sandler co-wrote, but didn't star in at all. And this was also kind of in that string of Adam Sandler projects that people would just tend to associate with him making bad comedies. And the 2010s altogether weren't the best decade for Happy Madison movies. Kicked it off in 2010 with Grown Ups, then went on to make Just Go With It, Zookeeper. Then you had Bucky Larson, which really took things way down. Jack and Jill, That's My Boy, Here Comes the Boom, Blended, Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2, which is another one that could have made this list, Pixels, The Ridiculous Six, and the list goes down and down from there. I'll just stop at 2016 with the do-over. But out of all those movies, I would still say Bucky Larson is the worst of them all. Next up would probably be Jack and Jill, but that is one of my mom's favorite movies. She doesn't watch a whole lot of comedies and she finds that one funny. So it has an odd place in my heart, but I can still recognize that it's a bad comedy. And the final entry in this week's topic of good comedy, bad comedy. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Let's get into a movie review now. Let's talk about a movie called Breaking. It stars John Boyega, who you may know as Finn from Star Wars. He plays a Marine veteran who is desperate for money, running out of options. So he decides to hold several people, these bank employees, hostage inside of a Wells Fargo. Right off the bat, this movie gets pretty intense as we find out why he is holding these people hostage and the message he is trying to convey and the point he is trying to prove It's a pretty heart-wrenching movie, but done in such a well and sophisticated way. I'm on an independent thriller kick right now, so I think this movie played right into that. Before I get into my full review of Breaking, here's just a little bit of the trailer. I have a bomb, and I'm going to kill myself and everybody in here. My demands are not there. Fraud was committed. The VAs don't want disability check from me. I've had some problems with veteran affairs myself. How about you release one of those ladies? No. I need everybody to see what's happening here. I need the fire trucks. I need the news cameras. What do I need to do to get the attention that I need right now? So just in that clip, you hear the level of intensity from John Boyega. I think this is definitely his next level of acting. And this movie is based on a true story, which is why I found it so moving. John Boyega plays a real life Marine veteran named Brian Brown Easley, who really did this in 2017. The movie was originally titled 892, which is the entire reason that he held up the bank. It's because he was having a discrepancy with the VA office. They had denied his disability support, and that is what pushed him to go to this Wells Fargo and hold up the bank. It wasn't because he wanted the money from the bank. He wanted Veteran Affairs to make his payment of $892. So the real life Brian Brown Easley entered a Wells Fargo bank in Atlanta saying that he had a bomb. He let most of the customers go, but he kept a manager and a teller inside the bank with him as hostages. And then the place is swarmed with FBI. It's swarmed with police. And throughout the entire movie, we get these flashbacks explaining how the situation happened in the first place. And I think that was a really great way to tell this story because it gets right to the action, which I really like the decision to tell the story through flashbacks because this movie gets your attention right away by holding up the bank, gets right to the meat of the action. I just found that made the movie more entertaining and did a better job at keeping my attention because this movie takes place primarily in one location. Basically, the entire movie is happening inside of this Wells Fargo and the breaks we get from that are flashbacks to his life, flashbacks to the VA office and then you also get his wife who he is separated from and his child. So I think all those factors considered, it's a tough way to make such a captivating story but I think this movie nailed it and I would credit the majority of that to John Boyega's performance, who I felt really captured the essence of this real life person. And the interesting thing about this situation is the movie doesn't really vilify. It doesn't really glorify the main character. It doesn't show him as a hero. It doesn't show him as a villain. It really just gives the real life description of what this person was trying to do and how this person was treated after fighting for our country and coming back and having to deal with a lot of red tape, having to deal with people telling him no, but really having to deal with people kind of minimizing him and not listening to him and how frustrating that can be 
when Ollie is trying to do is get his $892 so he can live, so he can buy his daughter a dog, which he promised her. And in this movie, you see that that was his true breaking point was that he wasn't able to do the things he wanted to do with his daughter that he loved. He couldn't even talk to her on the phone because he couldn't pay for minutes to have communication with her. So this movie is about his breaking point and what you would do in that situation. And what really makes you think after watching this movie is that this really happened. This was a real life story. This is the actions that somebody took because they reached that breaking point. And I found learning about him to be pretty moving and he is a pretty soft-spoken person. And what John Boyega did a really good job at was showing his soft-spoken side, how he didn't really want to be doing this. He just knew that this was the only thing that would get anybody's attention. He wanted the news there. He wanted everybody to know about his story and know about his relationship and experiences with veteran affairs. And that's the entire reason that he did this. And where that really showed was when it goes back and forth between something that it shows in the trailer of this movie of him actually taking phone calls inside the Wells Fargo, trying to help customers, explaining to them what was going on and what he was doing. And then what you also heard in that trailer were his moments of outrage when he gets so frustrated that he is literally there with a bomb holding hostages and still not able to get his demands made. It will make you feel something while watching this movie and it'll make you feel frustrated for him. It'll make you feel outraged at the story and it never really condones these actions, but it just kind of opens up that conversation of how do we treat people that have sacrificed so much and they come back here and we don't even listen to them. I think this is one of John Boyega's best roles so far. And I know a lot of politics go into getting an Oscar nomination, but I think this is a Oscar worthy nomination performance. So I'm curious to see if it sparks any interest in that. Some people are comparing this performance to a Denzel Washington style role. I think it's also because Denzel Washington did a similar movie called John Q, which was about a man whose nine-year-old son was in desperate need of a life-saving transplant. So he did a similar thing at a hospital, except the story of John Q wasn't based on a true story. It was inspired by a similar event, but unlike Breaking, which goes very true to what actually happened in real life down to the person. There's actually no real John Q, but there is a real life Brian Brown easily. And all of the events that happened in this movie, I did go and fact check and it all stayed very true to what actually happened. Maybe some of the things that happened inside the bank between him and the tellers were added in to keep the storyline going, but all the major events and major actions from this movie actually happened. And I felt what tied this entire movie together was Michael K. Williams' character. And this was actually his final role before he died last year. And he played the negotiator in the movie who has a connection with John Boyega, which I thought was an interesting dynamic because they had such great chemistry together back and forth, but they weren't in the same room. 
there's a possibility that they weren't even actually talking to each other because it all happens over the phone while John Boyega is inside of the building and Michael K. Williams is outside trying to negotiate with him, trying to get him to release the hostages, doing some unique bargaining tactics and was able to form this real life relationship with him and have chemistry with them. I thought that was a really powerful thing. It also kind of opened my mind up to how a negotiator works and how much they have to do in such a unusual situation, having to pull out human elements of a person. Their conversations were probably my favorite part of the movie. So all in all, this was one of my favorite thrillers that I've probably seen in the last five years. I think that's greatly due because it is based on a true story. You can go and fact check this stuff. And I like watching a movie and then going and looking up news stories, reading articles, finding out how close they look to the people they were portraying. It kind of adds another level of research for me. And I enjoy those type of movies. I also enjoy movies that primarily take place in one location and have a limited cast. It feels very cinematic to me because you have to do a lot of stylistic things, a lot of things when it comes to the editing. And you also just have to have really great acting to make a movie like this work. And you get that in this. You also have supporting characters from Connie Britton and Olivia Washington. And I also just go back to the original title of 892. I just think that number speaks volumes when portraying this story. So I do think this is a movie that a lot more people should see. I would give Breaking 4.5 out of 5 phone calls. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. I am on a bit of an indie movie kick right now. I feel like we are in September, which is what you call a dump month in film. You get a few of these really out of the entire year. January and February are greatly 
associated with being dump months. And what that means, it's kind of where you get a bunch of random films, movies that aren't necessarily going to be the biggest winners at the box office. But you get some hidden gems in there every now and then, especially in January. I feel like we always get like a pretty good horror movie in January. And then August is considered a dump month, but I also feel we get kind of the scraps of the summer blockbuster season. This year we had Bullet Train in there, which I felt like went a little bit under the radar. Not the best movie, but a movie I still enjoyed. And now as we enter September, I just kind of get into that feeling of wanting to watch independent films. And when I went to go watch Breaking in theaters, this was one of the trailers that played and it is coming out on October 7th. It is called Triangle of Sadness and it stars Woody Harrelson. It is a dark comedy about what happens when this cruise sinks that has a bunch of super rich people on board, leaving some survivors, including a fashion model, a celebrity couple, and more of the crew trapped on an island. Before I get into some more details about this movie and why I think it'll be pretty good, here's just a little bit of Triangle of Sadness. The success of a luxury cruise mainly depends on you. I don't want to hear anybody saying no. The saints. Do you think it's possible to wash them? I don't think that's possible, ma'am, because this is a motorized vessel. Yeah. So we don't have any sails. It was sales. Yes. Well then, in that case, we will clean the sales. So you get a taste of the satirical dark comedy there in the trailer, but it is from a Swedish filmmaker. So I think it's going to have kind of a foreign film vibe to it. And the film follows a fashion model celebrity couple who are invited to join this luxury cruise for this ultra rich group of people. And then things start to go wrong. As you see in that trailer, if you go and watch it, it looks like a storm approaches and it starts making everybody sick, which was probably the hardest thing to watch in a trailer is people vomit. So depending on your level of queasiness, for that reason alone, this movie may not be for you. In that trailer, you also get a glimpse at some of the issues they have with their plumbing and toilets overflowing. So pretty much the most nightmare situation you can imagine on a boat happen in this movie. But where the comedy comes in is that it is a yacht and a cruise for the super ultra rich. So it's all these very wealthy people who are used to having all of their demands made and only hearing yes and never hearing no. Suddenly in this situation that you can't control, you can't control mother nature. There's no way to stop it. And this luxury cruise turns into a complete disaster and everybody's having a bad time. The people who do survive the boat crashing and sinking all end up washing onto this island and then have to survive and find a way to be rescued. The movie received an eight minute standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival. So I think this is going to be truly a unique experience. And I am very into dark satirical comedies. And I found myself laughing within the first 20 seconds of this trailer and I also just think it's kind of funny to make fun of rich people and the movie stars Woody Harrelson who has just a charisma about him that I find him very funny the movie also stars an up-and-coming actress named Charlby Dean who actually just recently passed away she was at the premiere of this movie and this was set to be her first big screen role but she passed away just days ago due to a sudden illness. 
She was most known for her role in the CW show Black Lightning, but this was slated to be her first big debut on the big screen. So for that reason, I would also like to see this movie do well and have her work in this film be recognized. But again, that movie is called Triangle of Sadness. If you're into dark comedies, that may be one to check out on October 7th, because I know I will be doing that as I continue on my indie film kick. And I know last week I shared a trailer with you for a movie called Funny Pages in the Trailer Park. I did watch that one over the weekend. Very, very indie film, super indie. And I don't feel like the trailer misled me in any way. The movie spoke to me because it had a very nostalgic look. The trailer made it look like a straight up 90s deadpan comedy movie. I think the actual look and style of it did hold up throughout the entire movie, but maybe the pacing of the comedy wasn't exactly what I was expecting. I did find myself enjoying that movie, but I probably wouldn't recommend it unless you're super into movies like Napoleon Dynamite or you have a fascination with comic books. It's not my favorite A24 film that I've seen, but it's definitely exciting that that movie was able to get made in this day and age. I did like the storytelling and the direction in that movie, and I found the characters still to be pretty funny. But again, it's just very dry humor and a look at a very unusual life. But I did find myself enjoying that. If anybody else ended up watching Funny Pages, let me know what you thought about it. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. Again, just my greatest appreciation to all of you who are subscribed and listen every single week. And if it's one little thing I can do to show my appreciation to you is give a listener shout out. I've been doing this since I started this podcast over two years ago, almost three years now. And I love it when you share your opinions with me online. Give me recommendations of movies I should check out and talk about on the podcast. So that's also why I do this. I like to know what you like and don't like or what you think I should have on the podcast. So this week I'm going over to my Instagram DMs. I got a message from five Durans who said, my husband loves movies and I always let him know what you like and dislike. 99% of the time he ends up agreeing with you. By the way, he wasn't allowed to watch movies growing up. His stepdad said they were the devil letting sins in laughing emoji. Now he can sit for hours watching TV and movies. So I appreciate that message. Thank you for sharing my reviews with your husband and 99%. Like that's a really good percentage on things you agree with me on. And I know that not everybody is going to agree with me on my reviews, on the movies I like and dislike, but I don't think that's the point of this. It's to give you my true, honest opinions on movies. So I don't expect anyone to agree with me 100%. I find 99% to be a pretty big win, especially in this day and age when everybody hates everything. So thank you, Five Durands, for that message and tell your husband what up from me. And thanks to you for listening. If you wanna send me a message or DM me, You can find all of that in the podcast notes or shoot me an email at moviemikeD at gmail.com. And until next time, go out and watch good movies and I will talk to you later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.